You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 132 for the 132nd edition of the podcast. I chatted with Dan and Jen of the Los Angeles-based dream pop duo The No. This relatively new project has already garnered critical acclaim for their ethereal mix of dream pop hues, shoegaze guitar textures, and breathless vocals. The duo released their debut EP, We Are The No, earlier this year, and sorry vinyl geeks, myself included, it sold like hotcakes and is sold out. In our conversation, we touched on their backgrounds in the Los Angeles music scene, their personal narrative-driven lyrics, and the inspiration behind their awesome music videos. We also dive into the EP track by track for some fun stories behind each of them. After the jump, we'll dive into our interview with Dan and Jen. If you're interested in listening to more episodes of Look At My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Remember to like, subscribe, rate, and review on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look At My Records website where we have more interviews, reviews, premieres, playlists, and a whole lot more. All right, I'm here with Dan and Jen of The No. How have you been holding up in the crazy times we've been living in right now? What have you guys been up to? I work worked from home before this anyway, so it hasn't been too terribly different for me, minus the fact that, like, you know, nothing's really open, so that's kind of yeah, weird. But it's been pretty different for me. It's been different, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm... I do a lot of live sounds, yeah. so I mean, we're, we're like, so the venue at Production Manage is closed. We don't know how long for. All the tours are canceled, obviously. Um, and we don't know when it's coming back. So yeah. that's, been, that's been a thing, you know? Yeah, it's been a bit. But uh, beyond that, okay, we've just been recording some stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, I heard I heard you already have your second EP done. That's pretty exciting. It's almost. Gotta, like, mi- gotta mix it, but we're, you know. We're, we're yeah. close. It's taking my time because this time we have a little time, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been ducking in and been mixing some stuff for a few other little bands and stuff. Just, yeah, keep busy. Yeah, and just we're like, I think I told you we have a company, we make record consoles. So we're super into vinyl too. And we're making, we're, we're making some new products right now, which is cool. So you might, oh, yeah. di- do you remember the Sound Burger, Mr. Disc, the kind of like portable turntable yeah. thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're making a version of that right now. We're trying. So you can we're trying to. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're, the sample's going to be here soon. Yep. So I'm, we're hoping to kind of mass produce that. And um, we made like a little speaker to go with it. Yeah. So, oh, powered, powered, kind of cool. um, yeah. That should be cool. Like that's something that we kind of did during lockdown. <laughs> we tend to like when we have a lot of time together, just come up with these weird creative ideas. That ha- That's kind of how Luno happened, our, our business. We just kind of had a lot of time at one point together and just were like, let's make some record consoles, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, it's cool because you're both really into music and you connected it to something else. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) definitely. I mean, I have have another furniture company outside of that, so I'd been doing that for a while and then... That's why it was an easy connection for us. Yeah, it was like... (laughs) (laughs) Not not like you just jumped right into the furniture making business. It was like an easy kind of meet. It was like, oh, okay, so you already have like 
people, you know, building furniture for you. And yeah. So it's it, the company's called Luno, right? Yeah, Luno is yeah. the record console one, L U N O, which is named after the little dog back there, Emmy Lou Knowles. Luno. <laughs> so yeah, and then it, it it's pretty cool. I mean, we've done some stuff for like a lot of celebrities, which is really insane. Like the Frank Zappa estate, we collaborated with them and did some stuff with them and we made one for Amy Poehler and Aaron Paul and um yeah it's kind of become this like weird celebrity kind of thing I don't know <laughs> that's great good for you guys congratulations on all your recent successes thank you <laughs> <laughs> that's very cool I want to get into the band The No, but I'm also interested in each of your backgrounds individually. Dan, you're from Nottingham That's right. in the UK, and you played in a really great shoegaze band called Amusement Parks on Fire. And I'm just curious about your experiences playing music back in the UK. When I think of shoegaze and dream pop, that's really like ground zero for that type of sound. How involved were you in music scene back in the 90s and 2000s with shoegaze and dream pop and it, things like that? It was an interesting time. So first of all, <laughs> so Music Parks on Fire was a weird one because it was, I mean, the first album was pretty much me in the studio with like Michael Ferrick, who was, you know, the, the main guy. And um, we, we were sort of put together by a, a mutual friend to, to go record an album pretty much. Uh, he, they, this guy wanted him to demo for a, for a label, I think. And, we went in, and I think in the beginning there wasn't really an aim to make a shoegaze thing. He'd written a lot of songs that sounded a little bit like <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins, weirdly. And in the studio, we I, I played him Loveless for the first time. Uh, he already liked a lot of things like, I guess, C. Ross. And his, he had a dad who was really into prog, so like he was already into expansive sounds. So the month just kind of played out like that, with us just just playing each other records and, and trying to finish an album together with no expectations. Uh, so the first one, interestingly, we weren't trying to be part of any particular scene. That was just the way the meeting of all our collections and our time came out. So it was kind of funny to us to, you know, suddenly be, I guess shoegaze wasn't really a thing at that time in, in England either. It was sort of after that. And yeah. I think everyone was listening to Britpop more around then. So we were already a little out of place. We'd taken what we felt were more American influences, funny enough, <laughs> you know, like he'd come in with the pumpkins, as I say, and things like that. And we finished this little album up we liked. Um, and then we were just suddenly, uh, I guess, enemy. We're talking about new gays and all these things. And we're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, like we, we like that. We loved, we loved a lot of stuff that experimented with sounds, but yeah, yeah. Well, accidental, maybe. <laughs> that's that's cool. That's very cool. And Jen, you're an actress originally, right? Did you ever dabble in music before this project? Uh, so I started, I moved to Los Angeles for acting when I was 18, which was, you know, a while ago. But um, <laughs> um, I kind of, when I had moved out here, I went to acting school and I, and I just sort of ended up meeting a lot more people that were in the music business and music industry and musicians. And it kind of, I guess, found me, if you will. That's sort of how it just happened. And I had a boyfriend at the time who was in a band and his, his manager managed the killers and some other stuff. And so one summer I just ended up helping them out, um, like 
mailing out some stuff and I just sort of fell in love with that and then I went to school for music business and I went to I worked in the music industry for about 10 years and so I have no experience on the performance side or in a band but I have experience in the industry so I, that just that just sort of happened. I always wanted to sing, but I was so terrified. They would make us sing in acting school and I would legitimately have panic attacks and cry every time they would make me sing. It was just this massive fear that I had. And so, you know, when Dan and I got together, I'd kind of mentioned to him that I'd always wanted to sing. And we just sort of got around to it one year and I just, I just tried and it, it just happened. <laughs> I had never sang in choir or anything before that. It was just something that I wanted to do. So that's sort of my experience. Very cool. And you have an amazing voice. And it's cool that it's... It, it took a long time, I guess, for you to get it out. But it's good that it's out yeah, there. Yeah, thank you. Life is, life is strange like that. It, so. it is. Sometimes things just sort of come to you and, and just happen that way. And I think maybe my experience with acting i think what i didn't like about it was playing somebody else and i feel like with music you can kind of express yourself a bit more which i like so that i think that that sort of played a role in it. so you mentioned that you worked in the music industry and in the music business let me guess is that how you guys met because dan i know you do a lot of live sound and production work did you guys meet through music Sort of, yeah. Pretty um, much. I mean, so it was Amusement Parks on Fire, really. I was, yeah. We recorded the third album in LA in 2009. And I think my, actually, we just saw him the other night. I, it was one of our yeah. few uh, <laughs> trips out to socially distantly hang out with someone. Uh, my, ma my manager at the time knew her through mutual like music friends. Through the guy I just mentioned, who was my ex-boyfriend from many years ago. Mm -hmm. the, his band's manager at the time worked with who their manager yeah. was. Right. Yeah. So we had a we had a loose connection that way, and I think he just was like, hey, come hang out at the studio, you know? <laughs> and uh, so she, she was actually around through those mutual friends for some, yeah. of, the, some of the Road Eyes recordings. That's kind of how that had happened. I had I, I was actually a fan of Amusement Parks on Fire before, and so I went to the show um, that they played in LA in 2009 when they came out and were recording Road Eyes. I had gone to the show and one of our other mutual friends, Dave Dupuis, who was, who was previously in film school and now is in a band called Nightmare Air, but I had known him as well because, you know, same manager, et cetera. And um, Dave Dupuis had introduced me to Amusement Parks on Fire that night. Mm. And it just sort of from there kind of, then the, you know, the manager invited me to the studio to hang out. It was just kind of one of those weird, you know, we all knew each other. Right. The scene in LA is a bit small, <laughs> you know, and it, especially at the time, back yeah. then, 10 years ago. Um, and actually, you should look at Dave, Dave Dupuis' band Nightmare is actually really good. Yeah, they <laughs> are really good. Like I think you'd like it. But um, yeah, that's kind of how that happened. That's sort of how we met. And just, I had quit my job that summer. Um, and so I had a lot of time and he had broke his arm during the recording. <laughs> so like we both just had a lot of time for each other yeah. as it turns out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Perfect situation. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious about how the no started. I've interviewed a lot of people that are in relationships in bands or husband and wife duos before. And typically they're musical collaborators before the romantic relationship begins but it's 
the opposite for you guys. You guys have been together for like 10 years before you started collaborating musically. Uh, how did it start? So, yeah, I mean, we lived together. <laughs> done that for a while. Deb was telling me some of the stories she told earlier, I guess, about singing, but she decided she, she we, we had a little project before this where we had a, 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 an entirely different singer called Gustel. We, we we made some albums in that, in that same bedroom. I played bass in that. She played bass in that. Then, Sang a couple of little backups, did, did a couple of things live and, and started to get maybe some confidence then. And then just had an idea just for one Christmas that we should, uh, just really for families and just to be like, hey, look what we did. We should do like a, a, a dream pop style Jingle Bell Rock. She was just like, I think that'll work well. And then um, she sang on it and her voice worked really well in that area. And we were just like, oh, okay, we'll remember that. We should, <laughs> next time we have time, we should do a... We'll make like an EP in this thing, you know? And then we just sort of talked about after that, like we had posted it on Facebook and stuff for our friends and they all were like, wow, this is really good. And so we were just like, maybe we should write some of our own songs. People seem to like it, you know? But yeah, then the following Christmas, after what he was saying, um, we just stayed home one year because LA during Christmas, it's kind of like it is now. It's kind of just dead. Like everybody goes home and there's a lot of time, I think. A lot of things are closed down and it was just really nice to stay at home and kind of work on something together during yeah. that time and have no, my family is very big in Texas and they're very big on the holidays. So when we go home, it's like, okay, we got to go see grandma. Now we got to go see these, like you have to do all these things. And so we kind of just wanted to like stay home one year and not have to deal with all the Christmas pressures. Yeah, so it was good. That, that's just kind of how it, that's kind of how it happened. It was just, it was just sort of random. <laughs> Actually, it just kind of all happened naturally. The cover of Jingle Bell Rock was is really interesting, and it sounds awesome. Thank you. I like how there's really that dream pop and shoegaze <laughs> instrumentation, yeah. but you really maintain the pop melodies, yeah. that nice melody. And I'm curious about how your approach to that, making that cover, influenced the songs that you eventually wrote because it seems like it's kind of like a perfect formula yeah. for what became your yeah. sound on we are the no i mean yeah that, that would be uh that'd be a fair assessment i mean we we pretty much uh i mean that that kind of songwriting is really strong so it, it stands up to a lot of different treatments right so i mean sound wise you can take that lots of places and it's still there's still a very strong song underneath it right so i mean we were interested in that side as much as they're just just making a noise and I'm not saying <laughs> We got close, but we were we were pitching, trying to write some something that was closer to maybe some of the classics of that era songwriting wise than maybe something more nineties shoegaze, you know. Like so, in terms of a template, that worked great. I mean, I, I think some of the vocal sounds we, I used on that just became the sounds for the EB. We're like, okay, she sounds good like that in that <laughs> setting. That's 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 what it is, you know. Well, I think that's kind of also since that was really the first time i'd ever heard myself sing before was that cover and i was like oh i i don't sound as bad as i imagined myself to sound like i kind of like i kind of like the way that i sound on that so right. i was very stuck on that vocal sound too just because i had never heard myself and so i wanted to sort of stay in that in that range as well and i love old country and you know that the jingle bell rocks originally kind of a country-ish sort of song 
And I love old country songwriting, Patsy Cline. And, you know, I grew up in Texas. I sort of grew up on that. And so we wanted, we, we sort of wanted that kind of songwriting as well. Sort of, we wanted like a hook and a melody. And we wanted that like really strong presence of that. So how about the creative process for writing songs? I read that Dan was described as the sound and Jen was described as the vision. <laughs> what are your roles in creating the song specifically that we're on, We Are The Now? Well, uh, yeah, that's funny. I mean, so the sound and vision <laughs> thing, I think, carries over from the the company where we <laughs> we made record consoles. Yeah. And that was just a straight up allusion to the fact that I only really care what it sounds like and she cares what it looks like. And that was, <laughs> so we're making uh, we were making a piece of furniture that also sat, and that was, that was kind of roughly the, the joke yeah. there, you know, yeah. they're like a married couple. The guy will be like, I want to bring this system in. The wife will be like, that is ugly. And sin. <laughs> and Jennifer, would, Jennifer would make pretty and I would try and make it sound good. So that, that came from that. As yeah. far as the, the process, I mean, it was the first thing we'd done, so there wasn't anything hugely in place. It was, it was a lot of like, um, some of them started from Jennifer would just be like, I've got these two lines in my mind and she'd sing them. And then I'd start working out from that. Others were were written almost entirely chord by chord and finished before she sang on it. That was really different for every song. Yeah, there, was, there, wasn't, a single, there wasn't a single process there, but we did. We did definitely move fast. We didn't mess around. There wasn't a lot of like o over revising of it. You know, there was uh, we had a set of lyrics we liked. We were like, just do them. They'll, they're the ones yeah. <laughs> we like them today. Let's not wait till tomorrow to review them. You know. Yeah, and then in, in terms of the the vision side of it, that that's more like the imagery and the videos. Mm -hmm. I do all of that stuff myself. Right. So it does carry over to this year. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm really, I have a really, uh, what, what is the word? I'm, oh, I guess strong vision <laughs> yeah, like of sleep. the way that I want the videos to look and stuff like that. So I was heavily involved and directed most of the videos. Dan and I sort of agreed on what kind of looks and, and feel and vibe that we wanted. But I think I was pretty much in charge of that side of it. Oh, yeah. You know, like I... I did the EP cover, I did the videos, you know, just most most of that side of it is, is me right. and then most of the sound is him. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of just how that, how that worked out and I think that plays to our strengths of sort of what we do outside of the band too that kind of carries over into our real life like that's you know that's, yeah, that's, that's sort true. of what I do in real life and that's what he does in real life so mm -hmm. it just it just works really well together we're a good team in that way and we care about different things too so i think that that's that's good because we check each box it's not like we both just care about the sound or we both just care mm -hmm. about this like we're sort of yeah you know he has his role and i have my role and <laughs> you guys seem like a good couple you should get married <laughs> <laughs> but i'm shaking about it <laughs> but um i the songs sound great and i really liked the emphasis on storytelling in a lot of the songs yeah. as well a lot of shoegaze and dream pop sometimes there's a big focus on the overwhelming guitars and things like that but this is there's really like a narrative to basically every song on the record yeah. how important was that to you to make sure that came across through think, the music i think it was very important to me 
kind of for exactly what you were saying is we both really like the dreamy sounds but a lot of the times and I, I'm not saying every time because there are definitely people that focus on songwriting but a lot of the times the kind of shoegaze dream pop is very heavily uh, reliant on the overwhelming sounds and the vocals get buried a lot and it's just not really so much about the songwriting so I think from early on we were like we want it to sound like this but we really want it to have great lyrics and, and a story to it. You know, I wanted them to be sort of personal as well as Dan because it's kind of hard for me to sing about things that aren't really personal because I have to feel some sort of connection to kind of sell the song and the emotion, which maybe is part of my acting background. <laughs> I don't I don't know. But, you know, there were some things that we had to change because I just couldn't really get into the vibe of, of singing it. I think we about uh, Someday Maybe um, originally was a song that we had done a spec for that TV show Riverdale. Originally, it was called Best Friends Baby. That's what we had written for the show and it didn't get used. And so we, when we decided to kind of put that on the EP because we really liked the sounds of it, I was just like, I don't know if I could sell that type of song or sing that song standing well, on stage next to my husband. Well, like, I kind of, I still like the yeah. chord change of that one. So I think I advocated for resurrecting that. I was like, we, we, we can put that on, we can make it work. And by the time we came back around to it, the, the storytelling thing had kind of been established, but that came about again, mm -hmm. maybe Lucy, I, I think, I think to try and get some rough melodies going for a couple of chord changes I had. I'll often like ad-lib just nonsense, right? And <laughs> I'd, have a, I'd have a line, maybe the odd line I liked, and it would be kind of esoteric, and Jennifer would be like, hey, what if it was this, because we did this? And then I'd be like, well, that's very, with that, my mind doesn't immediately go there. It's like, that's like our life. Okay, it's interesting. But then once that became the thing, it actually became a lot easier to write because you've narrowed your, uh, you know, your source down there. This is like, okay, well, if this is about when we got together in this way, who were the people that was there? What street were we on? You know, what were we listening to at the time, right? And once you have those materials, it became a little easier to write. Yeah. Then, then, we, then we were off and we were able to finish the EP quite quickly with, with right. that in mind. That's an interesting approach for sure. And I, I wanted to ask about Someday Maybe because I read that it was yeah. inspired or it was a spec for Riverdale. Did you watch the show at all to <laughs> come up with that song? I've never watched it. I just know teenage girls and stuff are really into it. We did. I mean, I, d I did a little bit. I mean, it's kind of based we off did. of... Yeah, we watched a season. Well, we watched it to try and figure out what they might. <laughs> yeah, we were like, into. we were throwing a couple of things at the time because there's the Josie and the Pussycats thing, right? And also, study the time period it was from. A couple of things got thrown our way just because someone was like, "This might work for you." They'd already seen us doing maybe uh, with the previous project, like slightly retroish things that were a little, you know, also modern. They were like, "Okay, you mm -hmm. might get this." aesthetic because again it was very like 50s classics but done with like modern things and stuff so we watched it just to get get the uh, gist of what they were actually doing on that show and yeah. yeah, but again, it was it was changed. I don't remember a thing that happened in it, but... <laughs> yeah, well, the show, which I just remember, there was lots of love triangles. Scandalous. Lots of love triangles and things, which is why it originally yeah. was called Best Friends Baby. Best Friends Baby. Yeah, we were like, right, straight up, 50s yeah. style, teen scandal. Yeah. Well, and it was kind of inspired. We we were right, listening Elvis. to a lot of Elvis and uh, The Girl of My Best Friend. Yeah, it was that. And yeah. so that was kind of the inspiration we had 
girl and my best friend, best friend's baby, and then we took, right. you know. Team drama, you know, <laughs> boom. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah, it was really fun, actually. <laughs> so I really like the imagery on one four three, the first song on the EP. There's lots of references to different mm-hmm. places in LA, like the Echo. You also throw in Billy Corgan reference in there, <laughs> and it seems to be chronicling a particular night or maybe a series of nights. Was that all one experience or was it a collection of different experiences? Lots of different evenings, summer 2009. No, no, unfortunately literal uh, hang out with Billy Corgan. <laughs> at, at some point we, we'd been to see uh, see them and he, he was wearing a cape and it was noted and we were like... And, uh, <laughs> I think that was actually one of the rare lines that might have st- stuck slightly from an ad lib I did, I think. Yeah, Dan will just <laughs> but it was, sometimes. It was too funny to uh, to lose. <laughs> yeah, Dan will sometimes just kind of freestyle, you know, on top of some ideas that we have already, and that was something. And I couldn't. I remember listening back to it, and I was like, well, I didn't know what he was saying, but and then he's like, I'm talking about Billy Corgan. I'm <laughs> just like, that's really good. Not long come back that's really good because we had actually just seen Smashing Pumpkins a few months before that. And my friend was with us. And at one point he leaned over to me and was like, is he wearing a fucking cape? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. I feel so old so, now. Yeah. But that line just kind of stuck or yeah. stuck, whatever, because, um, you know, we had the city by the lake, and it just kind of which went, is a which yeah. is a pumpkins lyric, so and of, then yeah. just sort of went into a thing about Billy Corgan. So then, at the beginning, he's in a fucking stupid cape, and then at the end, he's in a fucking awesome cape. Because to me, it was sort of like, as the night progresses, everybody tells different stories. So it was kind of like a game of telephone. Like, oh, did you see Billy Corgan in a stupid cape? Oh, did you see him? Mm-hmm. He was wearing an awesome, you know, it just to me was like, everybody says different stuff about the night. But um, a lot of the specific things like the Echo mm-hmm. and yeah. Kawanga and Jameson and all of those things were things that we were doing a lot in the summer of 2000. And, and this, not- the summer you guys met, right? Exactly. Yeah. So like those specific things and and little references of specific streets and drinks and, you know, little things like that were were very specific Mm -hmm. to us. But then a lot of it is, you know, dramatized and um, the the locations and the people. Yeah. Yeah. The people in there. I think one of the lines is Emmy's broke and Graham's in town, which is, you know, reference to our dogs. Um, That's (laughs) their names. Um, A lot of it's very specific. To us. Yeah, and I know, I know we, I know, I think, I think we, we probably told this too many times, but I, I also I remember I think before we, before we actually sketched it all out, to, had just listened to you know, Tom Waits' Heart of Saturday Night, and I go on about that, but it's like very much the same. It's like little fragments of a night out. It's kind of the way you remember it. It's not, not like then we went here, then this, then the, it's like kind of like oh, and then this guy's over here, and this happened, and then now the sun's coming up or something, you know. <laughs> This uh, wall, this, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really cool because in thinking about the lyrics of 143 and how you mentioned that they piece together memories, it seems like the video is from the perspective of someone remembering the events, Mm -hmm. not a first-person account of the events. And I think it's really cool how you mixed in the lyrics with the concept for the video. How'd you come up with that? Because I thought it was great. So, um, yeah, I mean, I again, I think the video is 
kind of a literal, not literal, but it's sort of a literal interpretation of what's going on in the song. It's just fragments and memories, and a lot of the the memories are memories that we actually had. And I wanted to put it in a video because it meant something to me. And I wanted it to sort of start out with a big group of people and it just sort of dwindled down as the night went on and it ended up being two people because that's pretty much what happened every every night in the summer of 2009. We'd be at a party and then it ended up being just Dan and I at the end of the night watching the sun come up, probably, you know after a long night of drinking or something like that. But we started talking about kind of specific memories that we that we had. And for example, there's uh, one of my friends is riding a hobby horse in the video. And there was a night out when we were in Vegas with our friend and he, something similar had happened. Again, I don't really exactly remember, but I remember there was something with the horse right. and we were drunk. And so I wanted to incorporate that kind of weird psychedelic memory of like, like a drunken memory of, yeah, a of, just a fragment. Yeah. yeah just sort of yeah. a fragment. So like, there's just little things throughout the video that might seem really, uh, you know, random, random not, yeah. and weird, but they're little, like, they're just little right. memories. You, you literally have, have a list of like, yeah. okay, this is one memory, yeah, this is another memory. We'll yeah. make sure we get these in. We'll pick it's how them. memory works, which yeah. I thought was the, the cool, the cool concept behind it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's one part <laughs> that's really funny to me. I'm actually passed out on the couch in the video. Cause I died out cause I was help, you know, directing. So I couldn't really be in it, but, um, <laughs> my friend walks by as they're leaving and he puts down a, like a, a little hand that's got the middle finger. And that happens all the time with my friend. Like he just always gives me the middle finger. So there's there's just little things. And that's the same friend that put it down. The same, yeah. yeah, the same friend that put it down is the friend that always does that, who's also the guy riding the horse. Um, and just, you know, like at one point there's a girl sitting on the stairs and she's being consoled. And that just reminds me of when you're just drunk and you just are like, oh my God, what is my life? So just, just things like that. I just had a whole list of things that I wanted to see and we just kind of strung it together in a, mm -hmm. in a, in a way that made sense, I think. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. Very cool. And I love the video for Someday Maybe too, which features <laughs> Howard Murdo. Yeah. And I I wasn't familiar with him, but here in New York, you know, there's definitely many guys like him. <laughs> so it's Howard cool to see. Yeah. yeah, it's cool to see a guy like him incorporated into the video. How'd you meet him and how'd you come up with the concept for that video, which features a lot of different people again and <laughs> him dancing? Yeah, um, so uh, he's kind of a staple in the LA concert scene. I mean, he goes to, as you know, not lately because we can't go out, but he goes to as many shows as he can. And I had seen him, I think, first at, Dan was doing sound for a band called Kitten, and he was at that show. And mm. I saw him there, and I, he was so memorable that I remember taking a a video of him that night on my phone i didn't know who he was but i never forgot about him then i saw him again maybe about a year ago mm. something like that at um the bonnie Vare show and again i took a video of him and then i and this time i posted it on facebook and it asked people if they knew who he was and a couple of my friends knew who he was um because we all go to a bunch of shows and stuff and so when this video came around um 
I, I had already been friends with him on Facebook. I found him and I befriended him and I just sent him a message on Facebook. And You want to like, be in a video? Yeah, I was just kind of like, <laughs> hey, this is super random, but I see you all the time and you're amazing and you're awesome and we're about to shoot a video and I want you to be in it and I'm sure that you get asked all the time and I've done this a million times. And he responded pretty much immediately. I was like, no, I've never done a video. <laughs> that would be yeah. awesome. Right. So it just kind of it just kind of worked out. It was really cool. Um, and then the concept of that, um, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure how that concept came about. I mean, we wanted him to we wanted him to dance. We had limited resources, so we shot it in my friend's backyard. Yeah, there, there was a certain amount of with that one. we, yeah. we were almost done after holding me like you know me with videos. But by the time that came out, we, we had a thing going and we were like, well, we can't release someday, maybe without a video. <laughs> so that was probably the haste, most hastily put together in some yeah, ways, right? But it, it came was. out really, it was a lot, of, like literally that, that's the, the setting is our DP's Backyard. backyard. <laughs> <laughs> we were looking for a scene. He's like, my backyard's kind of amazing. We're like, okay, we'll go check it out. And then there's this and stuff. We're like, okay, well, that's one thing. Second thing is Howard, right? And then yeah. it was like, so we have these two assets to get this done fast. And like, you know. Yeah, and my favorite, <laughs> my favorite music video of all time is Black Hole Sun. And so I kind of use that a bit as a template uh, right. for it, like barbecue and outdoors yeah. and really weird suburban, yeah, weird stuff, suburban yeah. settings and crazy colors. And I just sort of, wa you know, wanted those weird things happening again, like oversized chest set and weird random yeah. guy grilling burgers just you know we just yeah. we like the kind of weird so it was, it was a setting a star <laughs> and then a bunch of stuff from amazon <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i gotta say the setting of your video looks more fun than being in the black hole sun video <laughs> it does. which would be <laughs> i think horrifying <laughs> yeah definitely i love that video so much though i actually became friends with the director on in instagram it was really exciting. It is a great video, yeah. definitely. So that's kind of how that that one was just sort of born out of this is what we have and right. how do we make it happen? Yeah, what are, these are the pieces. <laughs> that was the least conceptualized one, I think. <laughs> In a good way, though. Yeah, I kind of like I kind of like improvising a bit. Right. Just sort of letting like, it like, letting it play out. But then you'd already worked with Joe, Joe, the director of photography, yeah. a couple of times and stuff. Mm -hmm. The people we had sort of knew the score by that point so in some ways it was actually probably the most painless right yeah it was <laughs> yeah. the easiest one for sure like, it did look like fun so <laughs> yeah thank yeah. you <laughs> and hold me like you know me great song thank you as well and great video thank you i thought it it really fit in with the rest of the songs well but it also stood out because it, it was a sadder song when mm -hmm. compared with the rest of the songs on the record which are more love focused mm -hmm. so just curious how you're able to make it fit in so well with the rest of the record, despite maybe the sadder <laughs> lyrical content addressing loneliness and well, isolation. Yeah. I mean, I mean, typically, I mean, that's not, I don't feel like there's really a problem with um, sad songs sitting alongside happy songs on albums. You know, I feel that's pretty typical, but there's still the thread of like, yeah, it's still personal, still Jennifer's voice, still the kind of sound palette we'd maybe yeah. roughly agree to, you know, so all of that I feel like ties it into the rest of the material to, you know, there's never, I sort of feel like I hear when people are consciously like, okay, this song is going to be like our EDM song, <laughs> this is going to be our, it's going to be our traps, you know, on an EP, so yeah. we definitely didn't want to do that, there was an agreement to keep it 
keep it in a certain area, you know? These instruments, these sounds roughly... I feel like it falls into all that easy enough. Totally, yeah. It's very cohesive sounding EP. Cool. Well, I think Dreamlike State's like a bit of a sad song as well. So yeah. those two are kind of a bit of... A little melancholy in there. Yeah, the melancholy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. sad... Yeah. Um, yeah, the other three are very... Anxiety, loneliness type of songs. Yeah. So yeah. there's a, there's a bit of both. Drawing out, drawing out some of the sadder stuff. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And the concept for the video, I thought again, really reflected the lyrics very well with the lone dancer dancing yeah. really hard in a group of people. Yeah, that one I had a pretty clear idea from the beginning of what I wanted that video to be, and the girl dancing in it, I've known. Uh, forever so it was it was very easy she's a professional dancer and has danced with everybody you know mm -hmm. under the sun justin bieber i think she just danced on the grammys with ariana grande and mm -hmm. she's a, she's amazing and super talented so you know that i had asked her from the beginning and her and i met up a few times beforehand and she really connected with the concept of it um and again a lot of uh, I, a, a lot of the dancing was actually freestyled. It wasn't really choreographed, so it made it a bit hard to edit, mm -hmm. but all the, the only prerequisite for that was all the, all the extras knew that they weren't supposed to look at her. I don't know how the hell they did it because I, there's no way I would not have been able to sit there for, I think, six or seven hours and not look at her but that was the only required thing you had a few people trying to coordinate that movement too right yeah so like just, her or like, yeah yeah because it wasn't choreographed between you know editing and yeah. takes like where people were in different spots and not holding the same thing was a bit complicated and it ended but up largely one take right you use pretty much one it take, ended up yeah i mean there was a, a some inserts, yeah. there was a master take and then we put a lot of inserts in but I mean, I had kind of, I wanted the like day to night transition because it was to me like she kind of was going into her own head and then falling out of it. And like, is this really happening or is it not happening? Am I imagining that I'm alone or am I, am I really alone? Like it was kind of supposed to be, that was sort of the overarching theme. And then she falls out of it and then somebody finally sees her at the end. Or does he see her? It was he just kind of like, that's sort of what I, yeah, I wanted it to be like, is she imagining this or is it really happening? That's what I was going for. <laughs> I don't know if I pulled it off, but um, I really love that video. I think it turned out kind of exactly what I wanted it to be. Um, totally. It's a yeah. great video. Thank you. <laughs> and the tiny door yeah. wraps up the EP. Beautiful song as well. Seems like it was written about your creative relationship. Is that accurate or? It was no. actually very early. That one's technically the oldest song. It's like, yeah. we had a fifth song for the EP and it didn't really fit. We never finished it, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, you, did. you, you remember <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, we just, we just like didn't, didn't belong. And then I was like, well, an EP could be four songs. And she was like, no, it should be five. And what about, I I'd mostly written that pretty much intact as it was, um, but with me singing, uh, for well, one of our early Valentine days, actually. I said, Before we were even yeah. married, it was a yeah. Valentine's but Day present. It, it ties because it's literally drawing from a lot of the same memories um, as the rest of the EP did but just from a much earlier point in our relationship so um, we put that one together pretty fast I just yeah, was... remember the guitar chords you sang it and then uh, <laughs> I think I had to go and tour finished a lot of piecing that to, together while I was away yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And recording the whole EP, did you guys do it in bits and pieces, or was it a couple of sessions that you laid it down really quick? It was over that Christmas. It was like from when we when we quit uh, for Christmas, so maybe around about the 20th of December, to maybe the end of the first week in January, it was tracked. I mean, it was done. And yeah. then, then I maybe went back and mixed a couple of the songs later, but it was just that two, two and a half week period, maybe. Everything. And w- was that was that challenging for you guys, or is that how you well, like we, to work on something like that? <laughs> well, it's new, so we didn't know how we like to work. But we, we, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't know we'd spent entirely too long on the on the album before. Uh, the other band, which uh, yeah, the other band is back with Ghost Elf. So it was that was supposed to just be a fun little project, but there was so much because <laughs> uh, we could. If you have a studio in your place, I'm just going to tell everyone this now. This is the biggest danger is that. You'll spend forever on something if you can, unless yeah. you give yourself a reason not to, right? So we were very clear on that. We were like, this is for this break, this holiday break, and then when the break's done, this is done. Yeah. Like, whatever's sitting there at the end of it, that's the EP. It just, like, lights a bit of a fire under you, and it keeps things from maybe... Maybe it keeps some of that cohesiveness you're hearing, because honestly, I mean... It's all come out, come out the same old little spurt in two weeks, you know? Mm-hmm. You don't have time to go revisit it in two months and decide that it now needs a horn section or, a, <laughs> or an orchestra or something, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's just it's it, it's done. And these sa- songs sound like, you know, they could really fill a room really well. You guys haven't played live yet as a duo, but when you do, what songs are you most looking forward to playing live? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know because we actually haven't played any of them live yet. I mean, <laughs> probably Hold Me Like You Know Me seems fun because it's kind of got this, re- like it builds up and it's kind of emotional. So that seems really fun uh, I think for me. I hope we can bring some volume for that one. That'd be cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a kind of big, and, and I really like that song. Um, 143 is kind of everybody's favorite and so that's gonna be fun because i think people will be really into that which makes things easier to perform sometimes yeah I you agree. know like when people get into it and you're like yeah <laughs> instead of just people standing there like what am i listening to I, yeah <laughs> i mean that's as close as we've got to like a, a single right yeah now. our hit smash single uh, when i deal with bands <laughs> and i see them play the hit smash single is whether they want it to be or not it's always a moment so yeah I, definitely. I that'll be fun yeah that'll definitely be fun and if people who come to see us will know that one <laughs> it's, a, it's a cool song i i'm excited for all of them just because we haven't done any of them yeah. so i mean it'll be interesting to see how people react to each song that might that might determine which ones we're excited to play yeah <laughs> yeah it's really interesting because this project started and now this whole moratorium on live shows is you haven't played live shows yet. What What's that been like uh, as a duo, as a band for you guys? It's, it's really interesting because you've still been able to get your music out there and get a positive reaction to it. So it's, it's, there's, definitely some success that's come from it as well for sure yeah i mean we would i mean i guess because we didn't it didn't stop us mid momentum it's not like we we that worked up the show we had it ready to go and everyone was rehearsed and we were in the middle of a tour when it was canceled which i know has happened to a lot of people yeah and it's, like it's terrible maybe, yeah yeah I really that would have maybe thrown us for a loop more but we were just at the let's put our band together stage. Never mind, we're probably not going to play live for a bit. <laughs> yeah. um, 
So it wasn't too hard to be like, okay, well, the obvious thing is now we're stuck at home. Let's just go in there. Go on, you know, try put a few ideas down again, right? Some new songs, um, and yeah. we've we've gotten, you know, we've gotten a little creative. And I ordered a green screen recently, so we might mess around with that and maybe try to record a live thing yeah. if we can, you know, from all around the world. Yeah, from all <laughs> yeah. the world. Um, so you know, we live together, and we've still been able to to do stuff. So the live aspect of it hasn't um, affected us too much yet. Um, and it's been cool because we've been able to focus on sort of building up our presence online. And I'm really involved in, um, in the marketing side of it all. I run a lot of ads and I talk to everybody on social media and I reach out to people. I reached out to you. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, glad I, you did. Yeah. Thank you. And so I, I try to keep stuff moving as much as we can, even though we're not able to play live. There's still so much you can do and ways to connect with people and get your music out there without having to play live. You know, it's, it's completely unfortunate for everybody that it's happened to, especially Dan, you know, but um, for us, that's sort of, we've still been able to keep stuff moving despite that right, right. now. <laughs> All right. So I think we're coming to the point in the program where we should play some songs by The No. Of course, as I've mentioned, The No's debut EP is out now. It's called We Are The No. Contains five excellent tunes. And we're going to play three of them right now. We're going to play the smash hit, one, four, three, followed by Hold Me Like You Know Me and Someday Maybe. And if you like what you hear, which I know you will, head to wearethenow.bandcamp.com and get it.
We're back. You're listening to Look at My Records. We just heard three songs by my guests, The No, off of their new EP, We Are The No. We heard 143, Hold Me Like You Know Me, and Someday Maybe. What an awesome EP. If you love it, stream it on your platform of choice. Or check it out at wearethenow.bandcamp.com. And now we're transitioning to the second portion of the program where you picked some records from my record collection and we're going to play them. We'll start with Dan's three picks, which I thought were awesome. You guys both picked really great records. (laughs) Cool. Dan, I loved that you picked Tilted by Sugar. I'm a big fan of all of Bob Mould's. Yeah output i thought this was particularly interesting that you picked tilted off of beaster because when i think of sugar i really think of poppy slick (laughs) stuff and this is probably like one of their most aggressive hardest songs yeah it really is i mean i think he said he recorded beaster around the same time as copper blue but he uh, he couldn't put those songs out because they like yeah that makes sense they <laughs> because they would not fit on copper blue at all. Yeah. <laughs> he said they made his teeth hurt. That's what I. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's probably cheating a little bit if you're looking for influences because copper blue would be an easier through line to draw from from that to where I am now. <laughs> I mean, amusement parks on fire and stuff, and you know the work Bob Mould was doing around then. You could quite easily make a case for that being like quite an influence. I always loved his songwriting and his, uh, his recordings, you know? But man, I just love Tilted. That's a good <laughs> Yeah, it's a great song. And Sugar, especially Copper Blue, what a great pop oh, record. It's a classic, man. Um, Tilted, I mean, Tilted has a, some memories for me too. And that like, just the energy of that song, it became like a, when I was living in Nottingham, I had a friend who we went up, ended up at his house late and he would just blast that. And I remember too, the, I learned a really interesting lesson from that. And I usually, I'm not a big fan of solos, but man, there's a solo on that. And the song wouldn't even be the same without it. Yeah. This is the energy to that solo to carry it from one place to another was so, important <laughs> so i was like okay you can do that if you make it count you know just don't <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah totally and then after sugar venus and furs by the velvet underground best band of all time in my opinion so yeah. excellent people, selection it really is the best band when people are like is there a band you wish you'd seen live i'm like yes velvet underground well i don't mean in the reunion tour i mean <laughs> when yeah I in like 19 <laughs> the late 60s yeah with Andy warhol tour, yeah. yeah yeah no absolutely and again i mean it's another classic i mean could have gone for something more obscure but then again that's just a killer song man the, the, and the viola against the dissonant guitar and the, I, I know lou reed always said with that one he was like um he was like, whenever I hear our songs, I'm always thinking what it should have been. I'm paraphrasing him a bit. But he said with Venus in Furs, that one was like done. That came out like he wanted it to come out. Yeah. It's the one for him. Um, and also we listened to it a lot when we were getting together. It was on this playlist did, that yeah. you had on your iTunes. <laughs> You'd come on while I, yeah, we'd fall asleep with this playlist on. I'd wake up intermittently and it would be playing. <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of stuff on my iTunes back in the so, day. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kill a Band, great song. Yeah memorable for me personally too yeah awesome and then i hope you're happy now elvis costello of blood and chocolate yeah well so okay so again i guess a lot of them were about things i learned and so i I, you know i love costello anyway but there's some 
some records I love despite the sound, but I love Blood and Chocolate so much more for the sound. And I know they just blasted that one out live, man. It's like loud. There's no separation. You hear like stuff bleeding through. Like, yeah, yeah. Shouldn't be there. Like the bass sounds like sludge and like the keys are all over the place. And it just sounds like wild to me. I, I, I love it. So that, that's a, you know, what's it indicate? Is that good? like reference point for me that how imperfect recordings can sometimes convey so much more than like you know when you tidy up a little bit because your tracks have never sounded as wild as they do on that record to me you know all right and jen magnetic <laughs> fields california girls uh, off of their record distortion awesome record awesome song said, that could have been one of mine too yeah that, <laughs> Dan, that was kind of on dan's list but i claimed it um it was something that we listened to a lot when we got i don't know if it was when we first got together yeah. was it when you, we first got together you played it mate yeah yeah i love the magnetic fields my brother is a huge fan of stephen merritt and i think he's a incredible songwriter i had to pick that song i remember back in myspace days posting lyrics to that song on my wall <laughs> whatever it was called on your feed or your wall and just he's he's just such a great songwriter and the sounds on that are a bit different than than um some of the other magnetic fields records and it kind of seemed to fit and wasn't an obvious choice, I think, so much for us. I think a lot of people expect us to pick a lot of <laughs> dream pop and shoegaze, so we wanted yeah. to kind of go outside of that and well, pick some stuff that maybe wouldn't be as obvious. And we're both huge fans of his songwriting yeah. and yeah. that record in particular. And I feel like Stephen Merritt on his projects makes really good use of space, like Definitely. you guys do as yeah. well, in a different way, but totally. I probably would have also picked I Don't Want to Get Over You, which is an oh, amazing, cool. incredible song. I don't think it's on that record, um, but... Um, well, on a, on a pure nerdy note, the only thing I wanted to drop in about <laughs> this is despite the fact that record sounds like kind of Psycho Candy, mm -hmm. Jesus and Mary Chain, I remember the shtick was that all the, all the instruments are acoustic instruments. So they're just wildly distorted acoustic guitar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that song's amazing. So there's no, there's no electric guitar on that record, but it sounds wow. like it's like, yeah. it's cool. Well, I'm glad I know that now. Yeah, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna drop that info at a party. <laughs> little, little, little <laughs> party right? I don't even think I knew that. Yeah, so. well, I know yeah. I could read that, about that stuff. Reads yeah. about the sounds. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone will be very impressed with your knowledge <laughs> on that one. Yeah. yeah. Next up, De La Soul, Jennifer Taught Me, Off of Three <laughs> Feet High and Rising. Probably my favorite hip-hop album of all time. So. Yeah, I, I love old-school hip-hop. I grew up in Houston, and there's a huge hip-hop scene in, in Houston, Ghetto Boys. Boys, yes. Yeah, and I didn't see Ghetto Boys on there. They probably would have made the cut, but um, I had to go with that because my name is Jennifer. And a lot of people used to recite that to me because that's my name. And there's a there's also a line in there about Dan, which I just kind of put together. So it's like about Jennifer and Dan, which I thought was kind of funny. And I just really like old school hip hop. So I had to throw it in there. Me too. Yeah. Anything with like good jazz and Definitely. soul samples. Yeah, very good. In my you know, I remember listening to a lot of Arrested Development. Do you yeah. remember? Yeah. Back in the day, too, and Ghetto Boys and De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest and all all of that stuff. So it just it was fitting, and you know, yeah. I just thought it was funny that it was Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> and clap your hands, say yeah, the skin of my yellow country teeth off of their awesome self-titled debut. 
What I remember about this song is that it's in an episode of The Office in the first season. <laughs> really? When yeah, when Jim has a barbecue that he doesn't want Michael to be invited to. You remember that episode? I and don't. It's playing. Don't think... It's playing in while they're outside or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm I'm really drawn to kind of weird, quirky voices. And I remember when they came out and I was working in the industry and it kind of made a big splash because it was self-released, I believe. And it was just, it got really popular. And so everybody was paying a lot of attention to them. And then they kind of just disappeared. And I, um, I hadn't really thought about them in years and I saw it on there and it just, I... I love that song so much when it came out um, that it just, it reminds me of my, it reminds me of my industry days. And it's mm -hmm. just, it kind of reminds me a bit of like half Japanese, which yeah. I really liked too. And like violent films, like kind of in that, in that um, vein of stuff. And his voice is so interesting to me. And I think I like that just because I never knew if I could sing or not, and I never knew what I would sound like. So I always imagined before I started singing that I would maybe sound a bit weird like that. And so <laughs> I kind of just am drawn to that style and and stuff, and seemed like a good fit to go on to yeah, close out the show. It definitely has a very interesting voice. Yeah, it's so it's so cool. And then and then it made me go and listen to Half Japanese again, which I hadn't listened to in a long time. So, um, and I used to have all of that stuff. And now it's going to make me go watch the first season of The Office again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're going to play these records. These are Dan and Jen's picks of The No. We'll be back.
Strike dear mistress and cure his heart Of a man in handsome too. With his eyes upon the secret places he liked to work Still, he knows, he knows who and where. Things you need in some that you will never But you make him sound like Innocent and proud Still you know what is after Like a massive dog With his parts up While we are dying after His turquoise pajamas And his multi-cycle hat I hope you're happy now Cause you're super Well, 
to her code, love struck, was my mold, took a look, dropped my textbook, Jennifer, oh, breakfast, broken fast, she was in my English class, asked for notes, rocked my boat, Jennifer, oh, Jenny, lost her favorite penny, so I gave her a dollar, she kissed me, and I hollered. In a flash, the school bell rang. Jenny grabbed onto my hand, took me home, and said, True gorgeous. Swing it, swing it, swing. The downstairs where we met. I brought records, she cassettes. Lost the break, found her shape. Jennifer O'Jenny. Transcript, showboard and flirt. I love daisies, red her shirt. Grab my jeans, Jimmy scream. Jennifer O'Jenny. Marlowe's shaped like a boss. No one can live their life apart. Found a house, aroused my joust. Jennifer O'Jenny. Her clothes, I just shut. Just like Dan, I strictly stuck. To the punt, she tried kick it. Pasta noose was in. Jenny, only thought about Jenny, but asked was I a virgin, like some kid in Derwin? She said let's try it in the bathroom, but the noose is way above sinks, so to the kitchen she did Dan and came back wrapping some ran. Now wait a minute! Little Derwin got something to show us that Jenny can never do. Listen... Jennifer O'Jenny. Notions, soothe the mood. Dove was lost in daylight heaven. Screen plug two, did the do. Jennifer O'Jenny. Jenny, tease my homeboy Granny. In fact, she teased so many. She was known as a garden tool. No more. I dispatch. Was it Jimmy had met his match? Or could it be the realization all girls own a Jenny? For normal health, I have fought a valuable lesson she had taught. Don't flaunt that the candy is good unless you can be flint.
we're back. We just heard Dan and Jen's picks of the no. We heard Tilted by Sugar. Venus and Furs by the Velvet Underground. I Hope You're Happy Now by Elvis Costello. California Girls by the Magnetic Fields. Jennifer Taught Me by De La Soul. And The Skin of My Yellow Country Teeth by Clap Your Hands. Say yeah. We're coming to the end of the show. But before we go, what do you guys have uh, just planned for the rest of the year? I know you're working on the second EP. Any idea when that'll be out? Oof. I mean... It would be cool if it could be out, like, maybe later this year and sort of keep stuff going. But it it just, it depends on when we finish. And since we have such a... um, you know we're we're very heavy on the visual side so we'll want to make some videos for it too i already have ideas for a couple of the songs but who knows if we can actually go out you know and and do these videos safely right now so that might be some of it um might have to get creative and do some stuff at home Mm. um it would it would be cool to be later this year but we'll just have to kind of play it by ear and see what happens i don't, I don't know what dan thinks either I, I agree i mean i think it's 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 been quite nice to actually only just now really be closing out the final leg of putting out this first ep mm-hmm. we have the second already sketched out well yeah. enough that we pretty much know what it is i think so i feel like we have a little slack and some of this is up to the universe right now yeah, the, yeah. The world's, you know we, we don't know what's going to be uh okay and it, when it's going to be a good time to put stuff out i mean the cool thing is things like that jesus and mary jane cover we, we talked about um we didn't mean to do that that was just boredom <laughs> oh yeah so, that was born out of quarantine yeah so that was and her being like hey it'd be cool if we did this cover so uh and then, like a few weeks later, Hatchy and Pains of Being uh, Pure at Heart released the same cover. I'm like, seriously? Yeah, we didn't mean to do that. Hatchie, we so. didn't. Yeah, we didn't know <laughs> at all that that was going to happen. So that was interesting. <laughs> so I feel like this is a silly question because it seems like a perfect song for you guys to cover. But how did you decide to cover that song? Because we're going to end the show with it. I think I had. It's something that um, a lot of the times I, um, you know, I don't I don't take vocal lessons or anything. So kind of how I learned to sing is just by playing stuff in my car and singing it to myself. And that was one of the songs that I just always sang along to. And so I told Dan one day, because, you know, it's got the Jesus and Mary Chain and Mazzy star, which we kind of get comparisons to a lot. And I just thought hey, you know, I'd heard Dan sing before and he's got an amazing voice and um, I just thought it'd be cool. I thought it would sound really cool. I thought like we could maybe do something interesting with it yeah. and make it a bit more bit more weird. And Well, that was fun <laughs> for me because in some ways the choice could have been too on the nose. Like, okay, you're going to pick from it. But that song isn't, you know what I mean? That song itself was, was from that much later, kind of quite polite, gentle kind of a yeah. sounding Jesus Mary Chain. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, there's still some room to maybe try something here. You kind of try and put a little twist yeah. on it, you know? <laughs> just sort of, it just sort of happened. It was just like, hey, let's try this, you know? It, Very it, fast. it could be cool. Yeah, I think it happened in a day. She generally picks the covers. And I'll, <laughs> I'll just be like, okay. <laughs> well, it was really great talking to the both of you. Yeah, you too. Too. Everyone, We Are The No is out now. 
if you wanted it on vinyl, it's sold out, though. Everyone's sorry. sorry. <laughs> I think at one, I think at some point there will be another pressing. I don't know when that will be, but you know, I, I'm sure there will be another pressing in, in the future. Cool. All right, everyone, you're gonna hear this great. Sometimes, always, Jesus and Mary chain cover by my guests, The No. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. It was really nice virtually meeting you. For sure. Nice meeting you as well. Thanks for having us.